We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking FFPC best ball risers and fallers on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz back for another week of talking fantasy football. The draft has taken place. ADP is starting to settle out. I wanted to give a nod to one of our fantastic best ball tools originally created by Mike Beers that allows us to, in a real nice way, check in on players as they move up and down best ball boards. We are now full on in best ball season. More importantly, though, Curtis, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, Now we're actually getting into the traditional part of, I mean, we're officially in the fantasy football draft season. I mean, from a dynasty perspective, the majority of rookie drafts are in process now, but the best ball that occurs and, you know, the Scott fish bowls right around the corner, you know, probably in like six weeks or something hard, hard to, to believe. Um, yeah. It's all kind of coming to a head now. And uh, this is, this is where it really gets fun because there's still a lot of market inefficiency with some of the rookies, some of the situational battles and, and landing spot analysis hasn't quite finished up. And so uh, as you've seen on the site, if you're a subscriber or perhaps you've seen a nod to this in our, our premium email recently, there are some key times when you can really attack the big tournaments, the big best ball tournaments. We're talking FFPC best ball on this episode, but also the, the huge best ball mania three for underdog would also apply here in May is like the second best time to do your yep. draft. Yep. So this is very timely Big round of applause for you, Dave, for picking this topic for today. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah. And uh, so we are going to start talking about players that have made dramatic moves up and down the board. We'll start off looking at some rookies, and then we're going to look at players that are normally going in rounds one through five and then six through ten. Won't touch upon all of these players, but we're going to pick a sample. Uh, But before we do that, Curtis, can you cue me up with an FFPC stat attack sound effect, please? All right. So, in the last 23 days, 
No player. And don't ask why I picked 23. It was kind of arbitrary, but we went with it. Felt like a good timeline. <laughs> In the last 23 days, no player has risen up FFPC best ball drafts more than favorite of the show, Tyler Algier, with a 145.4 pick rise in daily ADP makes sense given the fact that this man will be suiting up in the backfield in Atlanta as he starts off his career. We've talked about that backfield there in Atlanta somewhat. You have Cordero Patterson returning. Uh, I believe you have Damian Williams, who we have not talked yep. about that much, yep. uh, in competition with him there. So it looks like he sure has a lot of runway. Forgive me if we talked about this on the show last week, but I'm going to give Curtis Patrick here another chance to talk about his boy landing in a good spot. No, that, that's good. I mean, you did see the the Falcons follow up by releasing Mike Davis, the other big body back. So it really kind of seems like, I mean, Damian Williams being a, a bigger back with uh, a reasonable receiving skill set, you know, that kind of is like the template for, Tyler Algier, like when Damian Williams was in a good situation in Kansas City, you know, he was like a low end RB one uh, for for a flash in the pan moment there. And, yep. you know, I don't think that the Falcons have the same type of obviously touchdown scoring upside that the Kansas City does. But the potential role there uh, w- would be certainly as valuable, you know, and there's far fewer uh, pass catchers in Atlanta to be super excited about. So we get Marcus Mariota and or Desmond Ritter maybe check down city. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is a good spot. And I mean, really, this is more of a testament to not enough people being on Algier in, in the very, very early uh, drafts versus where he actually landed. Now he was always going to get drafted. I mean, you and I were saying, you know, borderline, maybe even late two guy yeah. ends up in the fifth round. So, you know, we were off by around there, but you know, there's always a range of outcomes. But this was about an optimal landing spot for him. Just didn't quite get the draft capital that we we dreamed about. So, I yeah, I mean, cosine on the 12th round pick rise. I mean, he's going in the 13th round now, which I think is probably as high as he should go this early. But if we get more, the thing is about these May drafts, like by August, it could seem crazy that he was this cheap. You know, it, it could come out that, you know, he quickly usurps Damian Williams in the backfield and Cordero Patterson is, is still going to be more of a, a bit back uh, slash, you know, receiver and Algier is like the early down bell cow as, as a fifth round rookie. So um, that, that's the fun of drafting in May before we transition to some of the other ADP risers and fallers, Dave, it is just a great point here. Uh, the FFPC uh, you know, we've got that Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues going on right now. Sean has a great article about how to find some discount rookies if you've traded away all of your picks uh, in that in that <laughs> format. Um, so we obviously love the, the Dynasty product there. But, you know, their best ball tournament, you know, they, they've expanded that grand prize to $200,000 for the winner this year. And they've also expanded the final week to 63 entries rather than 12. Uh, so a new wrinkle going to be really exciting final weekend. You've got to get in their best ball tournament. So make sure you check that out. myffpc.com. And actually, if you're a subscriber to our Rotoviz premium email, Dave, uh, I think we announced this last week and I'll hit it up again this week. If you just click on 
the FFPC banner in our premium email and you make a deposit, you'll get 25 free bucks. So that's a cool, nice little nifty gifty to steal from Michael Scott there. Uh, <laughs> nifty gifties for anybody uh, first time depositing on FFPC. And I want to point out when we say premium email, that does not mean you have to pay any money for this. This is no. a completely free of charge. It's freemium. It's freemium. freemium. I, yes. should, I should rebrand it. Yeah, freemium perhaps. Email. But really, all people <laughs> need to know is just you know sign up, click on that uh, link and get that nifty gifty. All right. <laughs> So we knew that uh, you know a player like uh, Algier was gonna was gonna move up, right? What may have been harder for some people to see coming was a player like Pierce stepping in to the Texans' backfield, rising up one hundred and eleven point four picks. Uh, he finds himself now on a Houston Texans depth chart that includes the likes of Marlon Mack. Rex Burkhead and Dare Ogumbawale. Uh, and, and Curtis, we got to talk about the fact that uh, last year, if you look at the Houston Texans rushing statistics, you were going to see that their leading rusher was Rex Burkhead with a grand total of 427 oh yards. He also posted a team high Three rushing touchdowns, but to be fair, that was tied with Tyrod Taylor, uh, who played six games oh and put up three <laughs> rushing touchdowns. <laughs> How so, many games did Tyrod even play? Like, what's that? Two. He played How six, many games. Did Tyrod six play? games. He logged snaps six in six games. I oh. don't have in front of me right now because I didn't. I didn't really feel like going into this rabbit hole. I don't know how many of these games he recorded significant rushing attempts in, but pretty big indictment on the team's rushing game when it's I guess we would say backup quarterback logs three rushing touchdowns and that puts mm -hmm. him in tied for leading touchdown rushing scorer on the year I um, am not as big of a fan of this dramatic rise in ADP um, for a player popping into Houston as I would have been for a player going into Atlanta not that Atlanta is an offense that's going to be explosive by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do think that there's some more room there for opportunity of fantasy scoring than I see in Houston. Uh, feel free to tell me why I'm wrong, though. I mean, it's kind of, I'm not going to argue on Damian Pierce versus Tyler yeah. Algier in, in round 13 at this point. I mean, they're priced almost identically. Um, I am, I, I guess, to, to look back on, on Burkhead. 400 yards. That, that's actually more than I would have thought that he, that he had, so, <laughs> which is, I guess this is even worse indictment. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about the offenses though. Yep. So I, what I think of what it would really come down to is could Damian Pierce actually be a three down back there? Cause if he is, there might be a lot of value. There might be a lot of receptions to go around. The Texans are going to be in some pretty bad game script situations. But then also, like, the offense could be, I mean, they're not going to be the Bengals, but it could be sneaky explosive. Like, if Davis Mills takes even the smallest of steps forward, I mean, they, they re-signed Brandon Cooks. They add John Mechie, yep. which, you know, he fails, you know, most of our litmus tests for prospects that we would be interested in. 
at Rotoviz, but he did get the draft capital and they have a, a wide open spot there at the wide receiver two position in Houston. They did draft a really athletic guy out of University of Miami to play tight end last season in Brevin Jordan. Um, and, and Pierce, you know, was super efficient in terms of, you know, uh, touchdowns per, per touch. And, uh, you know, I, it's not a it's not a apples to apples situation, but we've seen teams just misuse players before. That's the best argument for Damian Pierce that I have is that he looked really good every time he touched the ball, created a lot of yardage for himself. Not necessarily the type of yardage that is super desirable at all times. Which Sean, you know, that's been his main point and kind of our back and forth on Damian Pierce is like the broken tackles never really want to pay for him. But the thing is, is like Damian Pierce landing in Houston as the presumed you know, clear pathway to starting. It really hasn't been the slingshot that I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it just really hasn't, you know, I would have, I would have thought going around earlier and, and coming from an SSE school, I I just would have thought, you know, maybe he would have settled in to that 100 to 110 range already. So I'm comfortable with this area. I mean, it's a great area to speculate in best ball drafts and it's going to fit every type of build. It's not a zero RB only type of strategy. You know, if you're going after, whether you're going after your RB five after drafting RB early or your RB, you know, four or five after waiting, you know, quite a bit, you know, playing the unsettled backfield card on either one of these guys we've just talked about makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I've gotten some Damian Pierce and some of my rookie drafts. I haven't had an opportunity to take him in any best ball drafts. I have done two of these FFPC best ball tournaments so far. But if the opportunity presents itself, I mean, both of these guys are on my board. Yeah. And then just to take a step back, because I'm not sure how much we actually hit upon Pierce uh, in the lead up to the draft. This is a, a bigger back 218 out of Florida, uh, put up a 40 time of 459, but at his size gives him a 98 speed score, which is in that area that doesn't really excite us too much, but doesn't rule him out. But it is interesting to see him in a spot where he could just maybe kind of plod to fantasy relevance. When you look at some of the names that he matches with just purely from a biophysical profile, we see guys like Thomas Rawls, Alex Collins, Damien Harris, Alfred Morris, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys that didn't really profile, at least from this physical standpoint of a player that looked like he was going to come in and storm through the league, but they had enough ability that when they did get given that opportunity, they provided some fantasy relevance, which I think when we consider the context of where he's going, um, does show that, uh, you know, there is some runway for him to be a contributor. And he looks to me like one of these players where it's going to happen for him. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, as, man. Oh, yep. Go ahead. Uh, co- yeah. A couple other things to add. I mean, this isn't, he didn't get a ton of receiving work, but in the last two seasons, I mean, he did average almost 10 yards uh, per reception. So this isn't like just check down and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's actually doing something after the catch. Uh, if you look over at, at pro football focus um, to get into some of the, the film grades, because you know, maybe some of that would be valuable to some listeners in, in a smaller statistical sample size. Uh, they actually had him at a 93.5 rushing grade, which yeah. led all FBS running backs in 2021. So the film study on his rushing uh, on his rushing uh, attempts is, is very good. And he broke 39 tackles on 100 attempts. So 
hey, listen, I mean, he's probably gonna have plenty of opportunities to break tackles against stacked boxes in Houston. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, in the names that you read off, like not all those guys were superstars. I right. mean, Thomas Rawls was a UDFA. I think Alex Collins might have been a, a day three guy. But all of those players that you named, I mean, they had they were super fantasy relevant for for small periods of time. I mean, the Texans would have killed to have Alex Collins last year, like yeah. prime Alex Collins. He would have been better than anybody else on the squad. So yeah, I mean that's that's just temper the expectations. But especially in best ball, I mean, you don't have to pick your weeks with Pierce. You know, you put Pierce or Algier on there at whatever point in the season that they do take over as a rookie. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get hot, but you know you're right there in the middle of your league, and then toward the back half, all these backs start to emerge with larger roles and uh, really, you know, supercharge your rosters. Yeah. And I think that they're players that we probably, it's hard to predict exactly what that movement will look like, but I do think we will see some shift on them during the summer. So as you start thinking about how you might structure your portfolio, uh, you, you know, maybe they're guys that you should be paying some attention to. Other rookies, Curtis, that had big fluxes, um, Alec Pierce moving up 88 picks, James Cook, um, given that we saw him getting drafted earlier than I think many would have expected, goes up 65 spots. And then Sky Moore up 63.7, which shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, Out of those three that I just listed, do you have um, a feeling that any of them, there is perhaps an overcorrection, or do you think that one of these players maybe should have moved up more? I'm going to kind of let you, you know, run mm. with this as you see fit. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit each of them quickly. I know I, I just get sucked into the rookies and I always take up more time than you've allotted for yes, on the sheets. Yes. Um, so Alec Pierce probably, I mean, right now he's still super attractive. I mean, going in round, what, 18? Uh, I think by that math, I mean, so he's risen to 88 picks, but he went from off the board to still having an ADP outside the top 200. Um, and you know, the wide receiver two spot in Indianapolis is wide open. Uh, Matt Ryan is not a world beater, but, um, I, I mean, I think he can prop up, you know, two receivers still at this point in his career. He's been doing it in Atlanta, uh, for several seasons. I mean, even saw diminutive guy like Russell Gage, uh, produce in addition to, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts in, in recent seasons. So uh, if Alec Pierce is the right, or is the real deal, I see no reason why he couldn't, you know, find his way to seven or eight hundred receiving yards in year one, uh, which would include, you know, obviously some uh, some big games if he's going to get to that level. So I, I would, he would be a buy for me here, still at this ADP. James Cook, I think, has probably overcorrected a little bit. Um, you know the the Bills were very in on J.D. McKissick for a receiving type role. Singletary, I mean, he performed, you know, he provided average production on, on his uh, opportunities, but he wasn't explosive in the receiving game. And so I, I think I sense the trend of Singletary still being the early down guy. He was actually pretty good uh, in, the, in the green zone uh, with those rushing attempts. I still think it's going to be Singletary and Josh Allen and close to the goal line. James Cook comes in. Profiles as a third down back. You know, he's going to have a couple games where he has splash plays, but I don't know that I want like the change of pace back on a team that also has a quarterback that runs a lot. Um, so, you know, James Cook, I mean, I like him more after this draft capital and dynasty than I did before. So I just didn't really expect him to go this high, but Buffalo isn't really a good spot until he proves he's going to overtake Singletary. And Singletary hasn't been bad. Like, there's no reason right. to think that Cook will overtake him on early downs. And his BMI is, I mean, 
yes, he's small and Singletary is small, but Singletary's BMI a little different. Uh, he's a different look than um, than Cook. And then on Sky Moore, look, I mean, he's probably being massively underdrafted or massively overdrafted. I don't really know. This feel this feels okay. You know, ju- we've got Juju, we've got MVS. Kelsey's still going to do his thing. Sky Moore might be the number. I mean, realistically, he could end up the number two receiving option on this team by the end of the year, or he might never find his way above the Byron Pringle role from last year. So right. I I just don't really know, man. Uh, like Sky and Dynasty, I'm, I think there are other things that are typically going to fit my builds better than 12th round Sky Moore right now. Right. Um, but I, you know, I would take him if he slid a little later. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, you know, the one thing that I I keep feeling like um, in discussions that I hear about him that people are losing sight of is the fact that Travis Kelsey is still seeing volume like a receiver. So when you're thinking about this guy in year one, you know, you got to recognize that being wide receiver two on the chiefs is a little bit different than being wide receiver two on most teams. But I do want to note here, Alec Pierce is the profile. Curtis definitely fits into an NFL wide receiver, which is why I'm actually going to be interested in getting some exposure to him this year. Yeah. This was a guy 75 inches to 11, uh, put up an 83rd percentile 40, uh, a freak score that's 93rd percentile speed score of 112, 92nd percentile. Looks a lot like a player like an AJ Green um, when you run him through some of the physical profiles. Uh, I think I agree with what you said there about him with Matt Ryan. So I'm actually kind of excited about yeah. him given that landing spot. Yeah, of these players at their current ADPs, I like, I mean, Pierce is the clear option being the cheapest and having as as good of a path to early volume at his position as Damian Pierce does. Yep. Uh, the paths for Cook and Moore are a little bit murkier. And I think there are some still some pretty young veterans that are maybe more entrenched in their offenses and 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 poised to take on 
volume that I would rather select than than a James Cook at his current price. Like I this like James Cook is going in the tenth round at the end of the tenth round now. Like that's you know Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds territory yep. in drafts. Like I'd rather have either one of those guys than him right now. So you got you know it's always a comparison. You know what are you, you know what's the opportunity cost? And for Sky Moore, I, I'm kind of liking the Alan Lazard pick in that range a little bit more um, right now. There's you know there's an easier path for him to be his team number two or even number one option at this yeah. point in the game than there is for Sky Moore. And you still have Darren Rodgers at quarterback. Like this is not you know necessarily going to be a crap offense that we're speculating in. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, I'm going to quickly hit the players that are our largest fallers. I'm not sure that we really have to provide any commentary here. So, you know, if you feel necessary, pop in. If not, we'll nah. move on. I, mean, so, I saw the list. Just okay. read them. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. So Malik Willis <laughs> drops uh, 71 picks. That makes some sense. Um, Michael Carter dropped 63 picks. Of course, that makes sense. Isaiah McKenzie dropped 60. Uh, and then Trubisky drops 55. DeAndre Hopkins, too, in light of uh, that suspension. And Hollywood coming in drops 51. Let's flip, though, here. And we are going to talk, Curtis, about the players that had the largest rises that are being selected in rounds one through five. Then we'll look at the players that fell. So you have Hollywood going up 23.3, Kenneth Walker rising 19, Cortland Sutton moving up 11, Michael Thomas moving up nine, and TJ Hawkinson moving up 8.6. I will pause there and let you uh, you know pick one player here you want to highlight. Oh man, it's hard to only highlight one. All right, all right. Um, I'll, I'll give quick, you two. No, no, it's fine. It, it's fine. I, it's fine. You know, I, I can take the assignment. Okay. Um, my highlight <laughs> for the riser, my highlight for the riser will be Marquise Brown. Um, you know, we get the, the pairing back uh, with Kyler Murray and Kyler is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL since entering the league. Marquise Brown, obviously super effective downfield, just have, has had really uh, a cold run, you know, with Lamar Jackson, you know, tons of un, unrealized, you know, non-converted air yard opportunity with Lamar Jackson. I expect that to to go much better. We got into this in one of the shows last week, I think. Yeah, we did. Um, so I've been buying Marquise Brown and, and Dynasty, making some pivots to him. Um, and then the faller, I just think people are getting the AJ Brown thing wrong. Um, it doesn't make sense to me that he was really dropping around. I think that him signing in Philly affects Devonte Smith more than it affects AJ Brown. Um, you know, early last season, uh, Jalen hurts like the first half of the year, he was throwing the, the ball, you know, almost 35 times a game. Um, it was a totally different situation. And then the team made a pivot over the back half of the year, you know, Rager's not breaking out. Um, the, the offense is just really not humming, you know, the way that they would like it to, they, they pivoted more to, a ball control, you know, type of offense and, you know, threw it 10 fewer times per game over the last half of the season. So, you know, I, I do think that Sirianni wants to throw the ball. Um, and even though Jalen Hurts has that mixed skill set, I think his desire would be to have more of a high flying offense, you know, hence the trade for a player like Brown when you already have Devontae Smith in tow. So I think AJ Brown is easily going to be pacing that team and targets and it's not like he saw, you know, 190 targets in Tennessee. I see no reason that he can't still do, you know, seven to eight targets a game in Philly 
and get most of the the high value targets in toward the red zone as well. So I, I don't know. I still think he's a he's a borderline round two, round three pick for me, but he's he's fallen into the mid to late third over the last week. Yeah, I think that um, on many levels, you can spin a tale to yourself of Philadelphia being just as exciting of a, of a place for him to be as Tennessee would have. I don't really think that this should make that much of a change in where people are drafting him. So now that we've seen this kind of correction here, I think that this could be a period where you kind of go after and you get your A.J. Brown um, investment into your best ball teams. Because it's very likely this starts to correct a little bit and creep back up. Yeah, totally agree. And then for Michael Thomas, he's he's rising a little bit. You got to monitor this. If he rises much further, uh, you know, he's in the fifth round now um, and trending towards the mid fifth. Even he's going to reach a point where we still don't even know is he all the way back. Uh, and they did invest the first rounder in Alave. Jarvis Landry is still being tied uh, to New Orleans. I know there's been more chatter lately around Baltimore, but uh, I don't think the Saints are necessarily out at the right price on Landry. So I, I do love the idea of taking Thomas when he's in the late fifth or early sixth uh, on FFPC. You're already paying a lot more than that on underdog. Uh, there's there's a little bit of uh, the synchrony there. If there is a Cooper Cup in the fourth or fifth round this year, it's probably Michael Thomas, but the floor is obviously a lot lower on this play than it was in Cooper cup, you know, for last year. So you gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah, dude. I think the floor here is really, really, really floor low. Zero. For the, obvious the floor, reasons, yes. the, the floor is zero, but <laughs> yes. the, the ceiling is the ceiling is overall wide receiver one still with like healthy MT with healthy Jameis. I still think overall wide receiver one, you know, could happen. So, Michael okay. Thomas is like he's either lighting money on fire or uh you know he'll be the Midas touch on all your drafts. Okay, so we've got like the Sistine Chapel here is the ceiling. <laughs> but the floor, yes. like how bad is the foundation of this floor? How many holes? <laughs> how many holes do we have in this floor? I think a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's no yeah, there's no floor. It's just a bottomless it's a you know bottomless pit into a black hole. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to quickly read down. So you had AJ Brown was uh the round 1 to 5 the the biggest uh faller followed by Antonio Gibson 9 picks, Josh Allen 8 picks, Josh Jacobs 7 picks and then Mahomes 6 picks. But let's look now at guys between round 6 to 10. The yeah. riser quick, quick quick comment on Josh Jacobs. Yep, yep. Josh Jacobs uh Right now, it makes more sense to draft him on underdog. I'm finding him in the sixth round consistently on underdog. That's too far. He's still going to be that team's bell cow, um, even if he loses out on some receiving work. It, you know, he actually fits. He fits our our favorite build, our yep. favorite type of strategic build right now. Uh, when he falls out of the dead zone uh, there in round six, a little bit. So um, draft him on underdog, and you know, wait and see if he trends down that direction in FFPC. For sure. So risers, Rashad Bateman moving up 34 picks in wake of the Ooh. trade. <laughs> Kareem Hunt goes up 30 picks. Traylon Burks moves up 20. Uh, Robert Woods goes up 20. And then Drake London, 19. Um, Curtis, did any of those risers there stick out to you more than the others? Yeah, I mean, Bateman filling in, you know, coming in behind Hollywood makes a lot of sense. He's He's probably still being underdrafted, but I understand why he hasn't been pushed higher. I think, uh, you know, the Ravens still being tied 
to some veteran wide receivers is probably what's giving you know people some pause. And he is a different type of receiver than Hollywood, so maybe yep. his chemistry with Jackson will yield yield different fantasy results. Um. So this, I mean, it feels like a fair range, but I, I lean towards thinking, you know, he's probably still being underdrafted. So I still have no problem like hammering Bateman in this, you know, 90 overall ADP range. He, he probably will settle into like the sixth round uh, when it's all said and done. Right. And and I don't think that Bateman this year really has the possibility of being a receiver that far outplays where he's settled in now at ADP. But I, I feel pretty solid about his chances of being able to return on that investment that you're making there, uh, which is one of the reasons I'd be willing to creep up a little bit higher than where he's going now. Did you want to touch on any of the other risers before I read off the uh, list of followers here? It's interesting that you see, I, I would have to dig into this a little bit more. It's interesting to see both Draylon Burks and Robert Woods rise up. Yes. Um, in the same, I mean, one of them is probably being underdrafted, but which one, you know, right. so well, this I, is my know, theory where they're going. You can alternate. Yeah. My theory of what happened here, right. Is it's a good landing spot for Traylon. So it, you know, it's that one for one replacement. So that's happening. But at the same time, you have some people out there thinking that Traylon is a significant downgrade from AJ Brown mm-hmm. And that group of so we might have a binomial distribution here, and that group of people is pushing him up with that distribution coming across people's opinions of Traylon Burks and the landing spot and all of that. I think it's somewhere in that nexus. That that was far more intelligent than I would have put it. Uh, I do see them at about one ten each, so it's kind of flip a coin territory. So that is fun, you know. If if you're going to do, you you could do a, a pretty late Titan stack. Uh, Tannehill is really not, you know, high up there um, this year in the in the quarterback positional ADP whatsoever. So you could you really can do double digit round Titan stacks uh, and just kind of alternate which receiver is is part of that plan. Yeah, you you definitely could. Um, so I'm I'm glad that you pointed that one out because that's pretty interesting. That feels like a a spot to kind of take advantage of some things there. Uh, we have on the faller side, D- Andre Hopkins. No surprise there, dropping 52 picks. Um, let's take a quick pause there though, Curtis. Right. So he's still going somewhere around like pick 90. Um, given the change in the team and the suspension. Does that put him in a range where you're actually going to be interested in putting him onto your best ball squads with that discount? Because for me, I uh, don't see myself doing it. I already feel like I was going to be lower on Hopkins this year than most would have been. And then this is just like icing on the cake. Yeah, it's kind of just like more protection for me. I I don't know. Through like I did 75 uh, or 78, I think actually of the um, early, early tournament over on underdog. and. I might have had two or three Hopkins shares that were like either auto picks or just he felt like the fourth round or something like yeah. that. This is pre-suspension, obviously. I'm just really kind of off of him. And uh it's really just gonna protect me even more. It's kind of just off my board. Um I think he I think he would have to fall even further. I mean, it's so far into the season that the offense is gonna have a different identity by then. I mean, if Rondo yep. Moore breaks out. And you've got Hollywood getting the deep stuff. Uh, Zach Ertz re-upped. They're going to have McBride. We know that will they play some more 
you know, 12 personnel. Um, it's not, I mean, if Hopkins come back fully, comes back fully healthy, you know, he'll have a role. But at that point, is it, if the offense is humming, it might be difficult for him to actually take back over as a primary, even secondary target option on the team at his advanced stage with the, the injuries mounting and all the rest that's going to accumulate during that, you know, in season suspension. Uh, so yeah, I'm off. I'm off of them, I think. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't view this as that situation that sometimes happens where you have a true fantasy wide receiver, one that you're getting a discount on that's going to be coming mm-hmm. back into the fray. I don't think that's where we are with Hopkins at this point. Uh, he's followed by Rashad Penny with a decrease of 21 and a half picks, Hunter Renfro with 20 and a half pick fall, Adam Thielen 19, and then Devin Singletary 8. We did talk some about Kenneth Walker. I'm assuming that you think that fall for Penny is justified. I actually almost wonder if it should be more of a fall. Yeah, it it probably should. Uh, Cause Chris Carson's still going probably earlier than, than he should as well. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Penny's going to fall far enough. Like it was a devastating blow, but he's what's going to happen is he's going to fall far enough that I'm going to talk myself totally into him again. All right. Well, um, so I, I'm out. I'm out at 100 right now. At at 100, I'm taking, you know, right now I've been taking Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard, uh, you know, players of that that ilk. Um, at this point in drafts, if I'm taking a, a a running back, Penny would have to fall. I don't know. He's gonna have to fall to round 12 probably again for me at least. You know, he probably needs to be back down in that 12 to 14 round range again uh, after the Walker selection. Yep. Um, No problem with Adam Thielen falling. I think the Devin Singletary is probably to be expected. The Hunter Renfro decrease, I mean, that isn't anything too dramatic. That puts him in um, around the 90s, uh, which I think I'm okay with. Do you have any thoughts, though, on that fall for Renfro? I think Renfro and Thielen are both pretty attractive in this range. Um, I mean, Thielen, you're not... Like now all the injury discount, you know, is baked into his price. Uh, it wasn't last season. Last season, I think he was still going in, in round four, round five, pretty commonly. He still scored a lot of touchdowns. Um, you know, he's got the enormous rapport with Kirk Cousins, the, you know, with Kevin O'Connell coming over to the team. They're going to pass more. You know, Zimmer BS of the past couple of seasons is gone. So, you know, I think there's probably a little bit more meat on the bone for all the pass catchers, uh, realistically, including Thielen. And, you know, if he misses a couple games, you know, even a quarter of the season at this price, it's really not going to harm you. Um, And uh, Hunter Renfro, I mean, like, I'm not sure that his role is really all that affected by Devontae Adams coming over. I mean, Renfro is going to be the slot guy in a Josh McDaniels offense. He's got all the report with Derek Carr. I mean... I doubt, you know, I'll take the under on a matching last year's statistics, but he's going to have plenty of startable weeks in best ball for you. And I mean, honestly, he would make a pretty good flex option just in traditional redraft or even as a dynasty, you know, discount trade target in this range. If he's being, you know, valued around 95 to 100, uh, you know, you're talking about a, you know, a late eighth round 
you know, late eighth round or early ninth round investment is pretty cheap considering the production you got last year. Yeah. We had been talking about Renfro as a guy to be thinking about heading into this season as early as like yeah. the middle of last season. And the way things have shaken out, I actually think it's helped where the situation hasn't changed that much because it's not like we were expecting him to be a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two, even necessarily. It was just the idea that he was going to be undervalued given um, the comparison to what he could do, yeah. which I certainly think still holds. Well, I think the worst case scenario for him is like a Tyler Boyd level floor. He becomes yeah. the the third option on, you know, the third option slot and and doesn't get as many of the touchdowns because of the bigger, you know, guys and and Waller and and Adams. But it's still going to be an explosive offense. And, you know, even looking at Tyler Boyd last year, I think he did have a multi-touchdown game. Um, you know, he took a slide back. He's in kind of more in that 150 to 160 PPR range, if memory serves. So, you know, that's that floor is still pretty decent for a player, you know, this low in drafts. But, you know, I would still think that Renfro would still have sneaky outside chance of being a top 24 wide receiver again this year. Like, yep. I don't think it would be that ridiculous uh, for us to see that occur. I mean, Waller is the wrong side of 30 now. Adams is getting older. I mean, either one of those guys missing time would provide a pathway to Renfro having the same type of target share that he had last year. For sure. So that takes us through the risers and fallers. We will be back uh, tomorrow morning with another episode. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.